0: Tiffany Ferguson started her career on YouTube way back in 2007 and has now effectively spent more of her life as a YouTuber than not, I believe. Is my math correct?
1: I think that's true. Wow. Wow.
0: Her internet analysis videos take a deeper look into the social and cultural issues on the internet and in the media. On July 1st, Tiffany released... You're not relevant anymore. Oh, man, that
2: hurts.
0: (laughs) What happens when YouTubers pass their peak, which is the latest installment of the internet analysis series and a perfect excuse to bring her back on the podcast and discuss. So please join me in welcoming Tiffany Ferguson.
2: One of the, the cool things about this podcast is that bringing somebody back, we've, okay, we've already done all of the backstory on you. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's listening to this and really wants that backstory, go listen to episode. I have no idea what episode number that was, but it was a while ago and you can learn all about Tiffany. But this time we do want to really talk about this relevance on YouTube, because I watched your videos, I watch all of your videos with a, and you have a very critical eye on all of this stuff but this one kind of hit home because I've been doing this for 13 years you've been one, you're one of the few people we've had on who've been doing it longer than me wow and i recognize a lot of, <laughs> a lot of these a lot of these things you said in there yeah
1: the concerns the anxieties the existential dread yeah
2: i think it's just something that we all feel if you're creating content at some point you wonder is this going to have a closing chapter to it? And I think we all feel that way at some point.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Where did the idea for this video come about? And uh, how long did it take you to put together?
1: Yeah, this one, this one's been on my brain for a long time. I feel like I've been in a, um, like, I've been in a moment lately where I've been extra introspective about what YouTube is like. So, like, um, yeah, thinking about, which, what was the one? Yeah. Um, Why do popular YouTubers stop uploading? Was that around when we last talked? I don't know. I think Probably. Yeah, Yeah, I've just been thinking a lot about, like, what it's like to be a YouTuber. And I guess maybe I'm trying to find excuses to make the audience a little bit more compassionate toward YouTubers. Because I think it's easy to be like, oh, these people are very lucky and privileged, and some are very rich, so, like, I don't feel bad for them. (laughs) Which is, like, okay, fair. But also, um, like, personally, I know that I deal with a lot of my you know, just internal stresses about the job and just like worrying too much about who I am or how my content is performing. So then I'm like, okay, this would be a good video because then I can have my like independent private, like sort my feelings out about it. And then also try to put it into context in like the greater sense of like what typically happens for other YouTubers. And yeah, based on the response that I get, uh, when I get like a lot more fellow YouTubers in my comments I'm like, okay, this is striking a chord. This is a a common issue. And at least we have a space to to discuss it.
2: Do you think that it's just a trajectory that every YouTuber is going to experience where you start your channel, you may be, you know, flat for a while, all of a sudden something happens that drives your channel upward and then you hit a peak and you slowly come down and hopefully kind of level out. (laughs) land softly. Exactly. (laughs) You hope
1: it's gentle. Um, I think that's probably the trajectory for most YouTubers. And again, that's the big if because you've got to like make it to some extent to begin with. So like, you know, if you're really looking at everyone who's ever posted on YouTube, I'm sure like probably like 98 percent of people post a couple videos and then stop. So like even the amount of people who continue doing YouTube long enough to like grow substantially is probably a very small portion of YouTube like creators. So that's interesting. But then it's like, yeah, it's like, are you going to be someone who can make it? And then how long can you stretch out that success? And then I was actually watching a a Kim Foster video recently uh, and she was talking about. Uh, the issue of like expiring on YouTube. And her argument was like, because she does kind of like cultural essays and like live streams, and she's always trying to change up her content. So she was like, hey, if my content is about my ideas, and how I execute them, then like, why should I have an expiration date? She's like, I believe that I can always continue to think of good ideas and topics to discuss um and I was like, hey, that's a good way to think about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That made me feel slightly better. I was like, I can I can trust that I think I'll always have something to say and therefore maybe I can always have some audience that's there to to watch that. But it, either way, it's it's just hard to know like who you'll be in the future and also like is there going to be an audience that's receptive of that version of yourself? So, it's just too much, too much to think about.
2: One of the questions you raised in your video was when are you most relevant and how do you define relevancy on youtube is it the the growth rate of subscribers is it peak subscriber counts is it view counts how how do
1: you even define that right yeah personally i probably do define it on your rate of growth and like my average view count cuz i'm like okay that's those are pretty hard metrics that i can look at and say like this is how my channel is performing. This is how my videos are performing lately. Um, But then ironically, I'm still like, I would still want to hit a million subscribers someday just to get the plaque and just to say that I made it to that milestone, even if by the time I hit a million subscribers, if I'm like crawling there, my views could be super low by then. But there's just something to that milestone that we still value, even though I think it's not that like relevant in the success conversation.
0: All of this has made me start to think about who set the parameters for what it was to be a YouTuber. Right. And I started thinking about PewDiePie, who maybe was probably the first really super popular, I mean, clearly he's, he's, he's a rather popular guy. You guys guy. might have
1: heard of him. <laughs> heard of that
2: guy.
0: Uh, but kind of in a crossover sense, and uh, as in the, the, a lot of people know PewDiePie, uh, and they look at him. So, what he has done on the platform has almost kind of defined what we all think the platform should be daily uploads. If you're not mm-hmm. doing it, you're losing it. You have to da 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 da. And, and I don't know if, if that's ends up being kind of the right way to kind of look at it. Cause it kind of seems uh, from the get go, you have a bunch of people expecting something out of people and all of the creators in the space seem to be like, y- y- you can't keep up with that.
1: Yeah, if you're looking
0: for quality content, that takes time. That's and very now we're having, unattainable. Exactly, and now we're having, so, but it, it does, it, it almost makes you wonder, like, what, quote, unquote, is a YouTuber? Like, what what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. What does that mean yeah. I actually have to do to actually qualify to call myself a YouTuber?
1: That's true, yeah. I think, yeah, the the PewDiePie sort of metric of success, it's like, well, just by nature, you can only have one or, like, a handful of channels that are that level of success. Because, like, clearly everyone can't have, I don't even know how many subscribers he has or views that he gets these days, but it's like, and even that—I mean, I don't know if I could handle that level of uh, attention or scrutiny, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, it's like, what is a YouTuber? A little, a little philosophical question.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think it's—it is worth kind of considering that those standards have kind of been set. I know if I take some time off and don't post a video for a week or two, you know, I hear it in the comments: "Where mm-hmm. are you? Why aren't you posting?" You know, there's an expectation that and a lot of it has to do with myself back kind of in when I was at my peak YouTube say 2015 16 where I was posting one week one video a week every week on on Friday rain or shine it didn't matter I mean I did that straight for at least a year and a half and it's you can't sustain that nobody can sustain that but your audience kind of comes to expect it then
1: I know, I've never had, like, an upload schedule, really, except, like, a few times where I've tried to do collab channels back in the day, where it's like, all right, Tuesday, my, Tuesday's my upload day or whatever, and I've got to post something, but yeah, I've never been good at that, and I wish I could, like, I wish I could be wise and, like, plan ahead and be like, okay, this next video, I'm going to wait to release it so that I give myself some time to work on the next one, but instead, I'm like, as soon as I'm done with the video, I want to post it, and then I go a couple weeks without posting because I'm like, well, sorry, the next one's in the works, and I did not... I did not. Well, you want everybody
2: this. to see it, right? Yeah, You're good exactly. done. You're like, I got to show this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if I sit Do on f- it for two more days, what if it's less, less relevant in two days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Do
0: you still find yourself getting caught up in those trappings as much as you used to? Or was this part of like uh, helping you uh, uh, transition and get some closure out of something which still makes you feel uncomfortable? So that's part of while you're putting it out there?
1: Yeah, I'm still just trying to adjust like my own expectations. I think that's what's most important to me is like, am I making videos that I like and I'm proud of? Because it doesn't matter if I'm posting every week if I'm not liking those videos myself. And I'm sure that that is probably reflected in my audience as well. Um, so I think I just, I'm trying to like switch those metrics of success as I talked about in that video. like. You know, what's valuable to me hitting a certain amount of views or making videos that, you know, creatively fulfill me or like just things that I'm excited to cover. So, yeah, I'm trying to just focus more on like the fun of (laughs) having this as a job and try to enjoy it when I can. Like I was just with um, some of my friends from high school and they were like, wow, this is so cool. Like you're living in New York, you're a YouTuber and like. You're living the dream because they knew me back in the day when I was doing videos in high school. And I was like, wow, like I do take it for granted because it's my like every day now. But when I like actually remember, you know, where I've come from, how far I've come, then I'm like, OK, maybe I should uh, appreciate it every day a little bit more. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do.
2: And it's interesting because you're kind of on Tiffany 2.0, too, because the, you, the way you have sort of pivoted your content fairly recently. What well, was- Yeah five six years ago was it or even that? that's probably
1: 2018 maybe the internet analysis started right
2: yeah, yeah. and you, you so I think a lot of people what happens is they find that one thing that people respond to and as long as you're aware of that and can produce more of that and you enjoy producing more of it then right yeah keep that keep that rocket ship flying and the confetti flowing on the- oh
1: give me that confetti you know it's funny is that video ended up being ranked number two uh-huh. And I was like, okay, that's a little tease. You know, you're going to give me a good number, but it's not a it's not a confetti. So that's fine.
2: <laughs> we'll <laughs> wait for the, the con- next one. <laughs> I haven't had the confetti in a while. They used to do the, yeah. the paper airplane when your video was like tanking, when it was like 10 out of 10. And it was really? a gray
0: sky and it was kind of windy and the airplane was going up, but it was kind of also, you know, it was coming down. It was
2: that so, so sad. sad.
1: I know. I'm like, we don't need that. The 10 out of 10 is already painful enough.
2: In your video, you mentioned Sarah Hawkinson and it's it was funny that you mentioned her because I am a huge fan of horror movies. And so mm-hmm. I knew her from her Possessed by Horror channel. Wow, yeah. I didn't realize that she had her first channel, the bigger channel. And here's the funny thing is that the first, my first exposure to that channel was her last video. Somehow YouTube decided, we want to show you Sarah's other channel. Oh, and by All the way, sudden. it's the... It's the last video she's posting. and Exactly. So she used the term expiring on YouTube and that was the first time I'd actually heard that term and I thought that that kind of fit. And she was in a really good place about kind of feeling, okay, I've, I've done this bit. I've noticed I'm not getting the views on these videos. The people that are watching them seem to be interested, mm-hmm. but I have other things to do.
1: Exactly, yeah, I love Sarah. And that's such a funny thing when you, don't realize that someone has multiple channels it's like discovering like an entirely different it is especially when <laughs> it's a
2: bigger channel yeah. I was like whoa
1: yeah. yeah that's wild but um yeah i like the term expiring because it's like hmm again it's like is it is it inevitable like, like unless a i guess date. unless you're shelf safe or something right i'm yeah. preserved preserved foods <laughs>
2: And the other person you mentioned in that video was one of our first guests on this show was Wheezy Waiter, Craig. Oh, really? That's
1: awesome. Yeah,
2: and I've known him for a while. And so we uh, I had talked to him a few years ago and I asked him about that because I'd always loved his videos. He he makes the most clever, funniest videos for years. He was cranking those out on a daily basis. And I don't know how he did it because it was so well edited and so funny. But he was continually getting... 2000 views, uh, you know, a video years, And he, he yeah. was getting and he would get like, you know, a couple new subscribers a day or something. And I asked him about that and it really bothered him a lot. And he's like, I know, I just don't I don't get it. And so then he completely pivoted his channel and it worked out for him. And I just wonder if a lot of people are willing to take that risk or if they just don't want to take the risk. And maybe that's why the channels at some point just kind of die out
1: yeah it's a hard thing because i think there's like again that creative fulfillment where you're like okay this is what i want to make like maybe his silly super niche sketches were like his thing that like he feels in his heart but is it the most commercial is it the most marketable maybe not um does it appeal to the mainstream probably not because it's like niche humor i guess but like yeah it's hard to to reconcile that again once this is your job and you have to think about things in a kind of strategic way. Um, I always resisted trying to think of YouTube like strategically, which, of course, helped to slow my channel growth because I refused <laughs> to like jump onto trends or um, to cater to those things for a long time. But finally, I realized, OK, if I do want to be serious about this and if growth is something that I want to prioritize, then I guess I need to find my way of doing that. So that's what I really appreciated about uh, what Craig did was like. He still did videos that he's interested in, but he did go, okay. let's tweak it and let's make it a little more, you know, clickable, I guess, a little more clear to the audience, you know, what they're getting. Um, But he can still throw in his his unique humor, which is what everybody loves.
2: I think in order to remain relevant, you have to adapt to some point and kind of like what you said, it's easy to resist doing you know obviously we probably don't want to go as far as to get on fidget spinners or something that trendy (laughs) but it's worth it's it's worth uh, adapting and you know I was noticing Tyler Oakley for instance he Mm -hmm. stopped posting about seven months ago he made his I he'll probably be back according to that video it was a little up in the air.
1: I see a later video maybe
2: Yeah. yeah and but I noticed when I watched that, because it had been a long time since I'd seen a Tyler Oakley video, that it looked dated to me. It, his editing style was still exactly the same as it was in kind of the early 2010s, where mm. people were were like jump cutting in mid sentence and splicing sentences together. Oh, true, kind of yeah. Jenna Marbles kind of started that whole thing, I think. But, um, and it just kind of made me think, wow, I wonder if that's some of what it is. Is that he just didn't kind of adapt to the changing landscape.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, again, as a creator, it's like if you have found your niche and you feel comfortable in it and you're happy with it, that's one thing. And then it's like, hmm, how how much can you care about what the audience wants or what sort of expectations are placed upon you? Like there is an expectation to keep up with the times to whatever extent. And like whether that's in the topics or the format or the editing. um, That is funny, though, because like I think I find myself doing the same thing, like editing in like an old school way. It usually doesn't come through in my like commentary videos, but if I'm doing like a vlog, that's where I get a little silly <laughs> and, and it's fun. Cause that's the kind of stuff that I grew up. Like that's how I practiced editing as like a teenager. You're just like l- learning how to do little effects and things. Um, and of course you copy what you are into, but it's funny because it's hard to notice if something is a little dated Dude. when you're in it and when it's, you know, what you've been doing for years. I, I don't think I watched, that full video, so I I don't think I noticed the the editing <laughs> or anything, but that sounds about right. Again, it's like yeah. it's hard. It's hard to like as a creative be like, okay, should I should I be like continuously educating myself? Like, should I take a new little editing class and and try to keep pushing myself? I definitely struggle with that. I feel like I hit my ceiling for editing, and I don't know how, if I'm willing to like try to go beyond that because I'm like, well, I could probably just hire an editor at this point who would be a million times better than me anyway.
0: Do you worry about your videos losing that touch then? Will they just be slightly different? Exactly.
1: I know that's always the risk is like people will notice the change and it might bother some people if it's not, you know, the comfortable format that they're used to. So, yeah, it's always a risky move.
0: If pivoting is a good example of maybe avoiding expiring on YouTube, I would submit that Lucas Cruikshank is an excellent example of that. Yes. And Fred, who had, I mean, basically the biggest guy on the platform for a few years, mm-hmm. uh, enormous success, a movie, dah, 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 dah. so like levels of success even far beyond just the online world. Uh, and then uh, just having the stigma of that character, kind of like the Rebecca Black Friday thing where it's like you're a bit of a internet meme in, in the wrong way. That's still
1: how people recognize you, yeah.
0: But he has seamlessly as far as i'm concerned i follow his new channel which has about three and a half million subs now and he's doing just completely different content very much more uh uh, youtube uh, style commentary content but it's great it's fantastic he seems very comfortable with himself and and all the rest and it kind of shows that um uh, i think maybe it worked cuz he's so well aware of of his position and that was his right. opportunity to pivot and and be like uh yeah wasn't it ridiculous wasn't i so annoying like wasn't that uh, yeah he's self aware he's a bit of the exception there's probably few creators who have the ability to like capture that twice
1: uh, yeah especially from that era cuz like oh fred was so iconic i yeah. just that was like that was my childhood and um yeah he was definitely an example that i was considering putting into that video um because yeah like i do still see his videos pop up in my recommended and i think yeah he's done a good job at seeing like what's popular now what do people want from me what can i offer and also i'm sure there's got to be a big portion of his audience that like didn't even ever know him as fred and that's a yeah. wild thing because then it's like yeah do you, do you do like callbacks do you do little references or do you just try to like Move on, leave it in the past, <laughs> Just ne- don't mention it never it anymore.
0: happened. Just apologize now and move on. <laughs> no,
2: he was smart even back when he was doing the Fred series. He was also doing some Lucas Cruikshank stuff. Mm. So he was already at that point kind of saying, this is me, this is a character. Right, Fred's and a character, so I, exactly. He was He was smart, really, to do that. Yeah, and he that's had, admirable. Like, he had more than one movie that he did, yeah. believe it or not. Crazy. And that, that was a perfect example of something on YouTube trying to translate that to a mainstream m- movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> totally.
0: uh, one of the people that you did include in the video was Glozell Green, who is a fascinating story. So perhaps anybody who doesn't know that story, perhaps you could tell them a bit about it who Glozell is.
1: Oh, yeah. So I had been looking for for like the financial uh, impact section of the video. I was like, okay, how does this affect you financially? Clearly, if you're becoming less popular, getting less views, your income is probably declining. So I had been searching like YouTuber goes broke. And what came up was a lot of um, a lot of podcasts and interviews that Glozell has done. And I mentioned that I've been a Glozell fan since probably, you know, the first time I saw her channel, maybe the Cinnamon Challenge video. Everybody
2: Everybody jumped on the bandwagon with that one.
1: Exactly. And yeah, so Glozell was like an early icon of like very early YouTube, like the earliest uh, VidCons and stuff. And so recently she's been talking about how um, she got used to spending a pretty high, you know, income, like she had a high standard of living. But then as her, you know, Internet success declined, she wasn't prepared to keep up with how that would affect her lifestyle. So she ended up um, getting in a lot of debt and, you know, going through a divorce and lots of other personal things. So now she's talking about the financial impact. And I was so glad to find that level of transparency because obviously a lot of people, Don't like talking about money in general, but especially not admitting like, hey, I was making it at some point, quote unquote, and now I'm broke. Like, you know, that's that's a hard thing to admit. But I'm glad that she's opening up because that's a that's an important part of the story.
2: I mean, she interviewed the president.
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
2: That's a pretty incredible story. And yeah, for her to be upfront about her financial problems. And I, I think that in a lot of ways, it was sort of like Wheezy Waiter totally different channels obviously Mm -hmm. but I think that a lot of people associated her with that cinnamon challenge and then then that they kind of wanted just okay just do that funny thing that we first saw you and just keep doing that and I always like to think that viewers on YouTube they like you to change, but they don't want you to change. Right. You know, there's like this whole, this dichotomy there. It's like, just keep doing what you were doing when I found
1: you. <laughs> yeah, for every viewer, that's different. But somehow you're supposed to spin those plates. I think that reminds me of like the question of, are you a more personality channel or are you more of a content channel? Yeah. Um. So like for a lot of vloggers, lifestyle people, they're probably mostly like personality based. And I think that can be hard because for someone like Lozelle, who I'm sure that was like essentially a character, like a more, you know, just loud and like sure. um, very animated expression of herself. Um, but it's like, yeah, people expect you to, you to be that and remain that character for like over a decade. And and then even like some people might love it, but also that kind of personality or that kind of style might go out of style. And then people don't want that same Loud stuff that we saw in the early 2010s. So then it's like, well, what do I do? Do I change my whole personality? Like, do I change my (laughs) online persona? And so that's something I've thought about is like, I think the expiration as um, a personality creator can be harder to accept because it's like you have to accept that people are just kind of (laughs) the general public might be over your personality which is a hard pill to swallow (laughs) whereas like if you're more of a content focused channel like i don't know educational stuff or i think commentary might be under that yeah exactly people are like okay i want to i want to be here i can like your personality but i'm subscribed for what you're discussing i feel like that's a little bit easier to weather the storm from because you're like, hey, no matter what, there's always more topics, top what did I just yeah. say, topics to discuss. <laughs> um whereas yeah, your personality might might change and might not gel as much and not, not be, you know, the it personality that can attract a huge new wave of viewers. So that's yeah, that's a complicated one.
0: It's easy it's easy to deal when people don't like the things that you're talking about. It's oh, not yeah. easy to deal when people don't like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh wait, oh no. Um is filthy frank the perfect example of getting out at the right time i like to use him as an example of like kind of knowing that there was a logical progression in what he wanted to do with his life his career he wanted to whatever and he almost kind of capped his he he managed to put the lid on his youtube career and leave filthy frank with all of us to just be like great you guys can just (laughs) enjoy this and i don't need to and i think i could safely say that i really don't ever think there'll be another upload on that on that channel so Um, but do you think that, uh, do you think that, uh, can you think of any other examples of, of, of channels which have managed to bow out gracefully and, and, and transition into something else?
1: That's a tough one. I don't think I'm familiar with Filthy Frank, so I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, there have certainly been other channels who kind of, you know, realized it was their moment or whether it's, like, the persona or the content or the format, just realizing, like, yep, that, that ship has sailed. And uh, it, it takes a lot to, like, to decide when to leave. And that's, again, something that I think about is, like, am I going to be the type to, to jump off early and just be like, you know, I see how things are going. I'm good. I can leave. Or am I going to be the one who's trying to cling on to it because I can't accept that I have to <laughs> right. go elsewhere. Right, just
2: grasping for those so hundred views, n- nail, nail marks, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard because then you don't want to feel like desperate or you know, yeah, you want to you want to feel like you still are uh, hanging on to your integrity as a creator. But when it becomes so focused on numbers and like you just want to do whatever you can to get those views, it's really hard to to focus on what you want when that's not coming through or translating in terms of the numbers, yeah.
2: Did you ever watch Michael Buckley back in the day? Oh,
1: yeah. What the bug? Yeah,
2: we had, he was also one of our early guests on this show. And he's an example of somebody who bowed out at That's really at kind of at his peak. And he just decided to, well, he called it retire. I'm mm. just retiring from YouTube. He has no, no desire to come back. He doesn't even watch YouTube anymore. Wow. He's like, I'm done. I'm just done with that. So, that's amazing. Considering he had basically the most popular channel for a while there on YouTube, it was like, wow, it was always on the front page of YouTube, you know, the What the Buck Show.
0: Well, we were talking earlier, Steve, about just contentment. And that was the thing with Michael, just seems really content, not needing to. And I think part of that contentment is not having to always have that pressure and that like that little weight on the back of your neck just like what you're what is going to be next and you yeah. literally are as good as your last video and you're going to be whatever your next video is and as much as you want to think outside of that that's kind of what it is that's what everybody's along for the ride for
1: yeah it's hard to accept that you have to chase that validation like, I try to resist that. I'm like, I don't care what people think. And I'm like, just kidding. I very much care what people think. And I'm like, well, is there any way for me to avoid it? Not really. But can I ask, what what is he doing now? What did he move on to after YouTube?
2: He does uh, coaching, like life coaching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he, he's good. He's just such an animated personality. Yeah. I mean, basically, the whole show was Chad and me just kind of... St- Please Please go just go, listening. So go he could we'll just, listen he could. but it was fun listening to him reminisce about the early days of YouTube and he was I think 2005 or so yeah when he started. Very the very very early he was, days of he was the first on the platform to have a million subscribers <gasps> really? yeah he was the, wow. no the, I think that was Fred had had a million subscribers I think Fred fact
1: check first. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure real time let's figure it out <laughs> I think we I know my know. early internet I don't know one <laughs> of the things you said in your video was that being past your peak makes you a lot happier. And I kind of think that's true. And I've noticed that with other people because I know that my channel definitely peaked at a point. I'm happy with the way it is now, but I feel a lot freer to do a lot of different things mm-hmm. that I would have been afraid to have done back then because you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to, you know, oh, people are going to not watch if I do some little deviation for the norm. You know?
1: <laughs> that's true, yeah. Yeah, when you're at your peak, it's like, all right, I'm going to keep doing what's working because clearly it's successful right now. But then it's like, oh, even something as little as like changing your intro or like changing how long your videos are or the topic or whatever. It's like, well, now you just got this big wave of people subscribing like recently. You don't want those people to go, oh, this is different than what I expected. And that can be a really um, just a tight spot to be squeezed into. It's like, okay, I found my niche, but now I feel limited by it or you know yeah you have to reach a point where things slow down and then you kind of have the space to to reassess which is a good thing but it's again it's hard for the ego to be like but the numbers but i want the confetti
0: (laughs) (laughs) i want the confetti i want them to be one out of ten but you need your ten out of tens because that balances out the one out of
1: ten yeah and the ten out of tens like let you know again it can be a good signal for like like for me if i'm if i'm pushing myself too hard and trying to get videos out that i'm not super into again that's typically reflected by the the audience too so i'm like oh that's interesting so it will force me um through checking my ego to be like okay let's be real like am i enjoying these videos like they can be a, a 10 out of 10 on youtube but like what do i think of them am i even enjoying them cuz if i'm not then let's reassess then the, then we're unanimous we can all just uh we we can all say we need to change something, so it can we be. all agree. <laughs>
2: Let's do a thought experiment here, okay? Oh. What do you think would happen if all of a sudden YouTube decided to eliminate subscriber counts and view counts? Wow! And maybe even likes. Remember, Instagram did that for a while, didn't they? Didn't
1: they remove
0: the likes? They bring Mm -hmm. them all back, right?
1: I turned off. There's a setting and I I just recently turned off all the likes. So I I don't think I can see the likes on anyone else's posts and maybe not on mine unless I seek it out. And I like it because then I'm like, it's interesting because you do judge something very differently depending on what it's ranked as. It's kind of like when you go to watch a movie. I'll be down to watch any movie that I'm interested in. And I'll talk to my fiance, Nathan, and I'll be like, you interested in this? He'll check the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb and be like, oh, it's ranked kind of low. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. Like to me, I'm like, let's just watch it and see. Make our own I prefer
2: the shitty movies myself.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, if it's ranked too high, that's suspicious. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like, I think we think the same way about the content we consume. It's like sometimes when we see something that just has a high amount of user likes, we're like, oh, that means this is good content whether or not like you actually personally think it's good. Um, so I think kind of like closing off those metrics from ourselves makes us actually focus on the content more and decide personally, like, do I like this thing? Like if whether whether 100 people have seen it or like 2 million, like then you can make your judgment without worrying about like what everyone else thinks of it. That's us just being like self-conscious and being like, I'm scared to say if I like something unless I know that everyone else likes it, you know?
2: <laughs> so. so the, uh, few months ago youtube was doing a test on eliminating the dislike button and i yeah. for whatever reason i got into that part of that and uh you can see your own likes and dislikes but it wasn't it was across the board all i could see were just likes yeah. And it's i guess this is also the kind of the question about subscribers and view counts is it how do you feel about eliminating those as a creator And as a viewer because Mm -hmm. as a viewer i found myself looking at those like numbers and then realizing wait a second i do kind of look at that ratio of likes to dislikes and kind of you can you can learn a lot about a video from that ratio really
1: yeah i know i think as a as a viewer and a creator like when i look at someone's subscriber count again even though i don't think that that's a like way to determine success or how high quality some content is but there is some level of like credibility still where it's like oh if you see a channel that has x number of subscribers then that means it must be at some up some level one of my favorite creators um cat black had had her subscriber number turned off for a while and it was always mysterious to me because like she was making great videos and like getting good views and i was like why does she have this turned off but i guess (laughs) she she just she didn't want that perception she didn't want to be perceived Based on her subscriber count and I kind of love that even though I feel like my subscriber count is like a badge of honor Where I'm like, oh, I earned all these, you know subscribers. I want to make sure people see them Even though again, it's not that relevant and maybe I want that credibility. I'm like, hey, look at my my little check mark and my 700k
2: We live in an age of just social validation and it's through followers really I think one of the few channels I can think of that has subscribers turned off is Poppy. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. Poppy, Yeah. yeah. Weird, Poppy. weird channel, but it kind of fits with the theme. Poppy of, Wood, of, of course. Very mysterious. What she, yeah, what she does. But it is. It's strange. Not, I, I look around. I'm like, wait a second. Where's the, I forget where it is, you know, yeah. even though I've seen it a million times. But like, where's the subscriber count? It's not there. It's the same feeling I get when somebody has, like, comments disabled. I'm like, what are you up to? <laughs> yeah. What are you trying to hide?
1: Exactly. I think it's because, because the default is for it to be visible. When somebody turns it off, it's an act of choice and then you're like are you hiding something especially with like comments and stuff it's like well if you're going to shut off the comment section like what's the point i i realize how heavily i lean into as soon as i'm watching a video i'm already scrolling through the comments oh yeah yeah i'm definitely one of those viewers i mean who's not to be honest yeah Um, yeah, when there's when there's no comments that's why it's better
2: on the phone it's much easier on your phone to do it that way
1: yes exactly and so yeah i know i'm like if i can't read the comments sometimes the comments and the conversations happening in that comment section are not like necessarily more interesting but they add so much to the discourse of a video that like yeah without it i'm like oh i'm not getting enough here <laughs> i have to pay attention to the video alone no thank you i
2: just scroll down to the one comment that has like 50 replies and I'm like oh something yeah.
0: juicy happened here, here.
2: <laughs> you're just
0: there for the drama <laughs> exactly yeah, right. maybe YouTube's, we are. youtube's been doing this for a while at least gradually moving Towards less focus on that. They truncated the subscriber numbers, so now it's 1.75M, oh, yeah. which certainly doesn't look good with that. Look, yeah. yeah. Right, and it's totally fine. Uh, oh, and this is also a perfect time to congratulate you on seven hundred thousand subscribers, well done! Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, but they're, yeah, they're, man,
2: you're gonna have that gold subscriber button right there behind you, you pretty it. soon. I
1: need it. I've got my hundred yeah. K one up here on a shelf, so yeah, we'll put. You the, will be validated right in the background <laughs> where everyone can see it. Never You'll forget. You'll be it. legit. You'll be someday. legit. Then <laughs> yeah.
0: they've certainly moved towards more about like what you're watching, as opposed to like in trying to figure out what fits better with someone's viewer experience and that's kind of how we're going to start discovering and whatnot and i don't think steve's too far off by saying that there probably will be a day where when you're searching through the thumbnails you won't see the view total because is the view total very relevant Does because a video has 10 million views does that make it in and for such an important piece of real estate as Mm. as it were there's the title and then it literally just shows how many views i don't know if that's like a valid metric anymore especially because views could just be so easily Uh, uh, distorted uh, in some uh, way. Faked or distorted in some it way. It
2: Might be keeping YouTube honest, too, because YouTube's going to serve, uh, presumably, even if they hid the view counts, they would still serve up what they consider to be the best Video. content yeah right but now wait now you kind of look at that and you go oh okay i see it's got a million views on it's probably got some." have you ever
1: seen like in your recommended just like the most random thing but it has like an absurd amount of views like i'm like "Hmm, why does this video have 30 million views and then i watch the whole comment section's like why are we all here why
2: are we here welcome back
1: those are my favorite i'm like what happened to make this this occur because we're all watching this video and now YouTube's going to serve us more of it. Or it's just like a weird coincidence. It's like I've never watched. I can't even think of an example. I wish I did have some because it's it's a weird uh, feeling. I'm like YouTube's just giving us all the same strange video.
0: And then ever so often you get fed a video that has next to no views on a channel with uh, next to no subscribers and it's banger content or yes. someone's doing really amazing stuff. And that's when you realize that it's like, this is the stuff that suffers because yeah. the 67 views on this, you know, if they're going to, even if they did promote it, because that's a metric that the user is now like in charge of selecting and because they prioritize that higher, this
2: amazing piece of content's not going to get exposure.
1: That's very so. true. Yeah. That could definitely benefit smaller channels.
2: Kudos for you for shouting out these smaller channels on your videos too. Oh, yeah. Great.
1: I love it. It's such a fun process. And I'm I'm now constantly finding new channels. Sometimes it was from like my own viewers submitting themselves to this Google form I made. And then sometimes, again, I'm just watching YouTube as I do. And then when I find one of those gem small channels, I'm like, OK, this has got to go on the list because like I just can't believe that it's getting, you know, not enough recognition. And I love doing whatever I can to, to give smaller channels a boost because, yeah, it's like unless you get lucky with the algorithm, there's so few opportunities to show up in people's feeds mm-hmm.
2: right i always like to say that when when we have a video that performs really really well really well we pat ourselves on the back and congratulate ourselves but when it performs <laughs> bad it's like a damn youtube algorithm that's yes, the algorithm exactly <laughs> it's, it's only the algorithm's fault when
1: it's mean to you right? <laughs> right right right
2: i have this suspicion i hope i'm wrong but 2020 a lot of channels blew up and mm-hmm. a lot of brand new people. And I just have this fear that there was a lot of people quitting their day jobs in 2020 with this high of these flawed analytics <laughs> taking <laughs> off. And now here we are in July, and, and those view counts are down for most channels. That's so.
1: actually an interesting question because um, I've been in my, I've gone from extremely online terminally, to um, trying to be extremely offline, I find myself like, you know, I've been off Twitter, I haven't been using it since like January, except for like self promo stuff. Every time I post a video, I'm like, I'll tweet it, sure. But I haven't been using it. And then even as Instagram, I find myself like, not really going on, or I'll post pictures like three weeks late. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really interested in like being too active. So what I was thinking about, um, because I went Like traveling recently, I got to go to like Montana and Alaska. So I was like out in the in the wild. I was breathing air. I was touching grass Um, and I obviously wasn't keeping up with my YouTube subscription box for like a month and I was like, oh, my God, I'm missing out on so many things. But then I was also thinking a lot of people are probably doing that like viewers because as things open up in certain places and people are being able to get out more than they have in the last year. I'm sure that they're watching less YouTube. So yeah, that was a good reminder for me as a creator. Like if I'm seeing a dip in viewership, it's not necessarily my fault. It's probably just that more people are outside or more people are, you know, a little more offline. And it's funny because as a personal, like as a person <laughs> for myself, I'm like, it's better for me to be like extremely offline. But then as my viewers, I'm like, it's kind of the irony of, of making those like, like leaving social media, quitting social media videos, and being like, "Hey, everyone, we would all be better off if we didn't." But stay on YouTube and watch my videos every time right. I upload. <laughs> and follow
0: me on Twitter, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I need you to keep up with me, but otherwise, we should get off the internet. So it's it's a bittersweet thing, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting moment. I think we're all finally, uh, hopefully, stepping back a little bit and getting to enjoy regular life a, a bit more.
2: Yeah. One of the reasons I like talking to you is you seem to have an interesting perspective coming from somebody who started YouTube at a young age and has grown through all of that and now has a much more mature, sane attitude about it. Whereas a lot of these people are very young and they're probably peaking in their 20, like at age 20 or even younger, even
1: 16, 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's like the peak for the rest of their life. I mean, this could be the most money, the most, you know, influence and fame they, they will ever have. And, Oh, that's gotta be a hard crash.
1: I know it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. Again, I'm always interested in seeing like, you know, we'll see the ripple effects a couple years from now. Maybe we'll start to hear from people and what their experiences are like. And it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to have to have people go through all those negative emotions and, um, you know, dealing with like, how to, how do how do you move on from that? I don't even know. I'm just, I'm grateful. Cause for a long time, when I was a teenager, I was like, Oh, I just want to blow up. I want to be a YouTuber right now. But I'm really glad that, you know, my channel took its time and my growth was gradual so that I had time to like live a regular life. And I would say I still live a regular life. I just get to be lucky enough to be a YouTuber. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't, like peak as a teenager, because like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you obviously you you probably still have a lot of opportunities and you've done some networking and gained some skills. But I I do think in terms of like emotionally and mentally dealing with all that pressure and that attention at such a young age and then having it go away is a very confusing um, feeling. And and I think we're going to need a lot of therapy to work through those issues.
2: Hey, by the way, congratulations. This is a, a year late, and I didn't realize it until just recently. You were nominated for a Streamy Award last year. Yeah, I it know was that. crazy.
1: Because <laughs>
2: I, I was looking on there. I was like, I wonder who was on there last year. And I'm going through there, I saw your name. I was like, is wow. it Streamy time again yet? It is. They, they it sent is. me out of thing, yeah. And wow. then I'm like, I don't have a shot at the... It,
1: I get
0: to go up against Vsauce again. Oh, good yeah. luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Cleaning channel versus Vsauce.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. They have all these weird categories. It's like, well, I don't yeah. know how, how to fit into
0: All education things. gets lumped into the, how, the how-to. So yeah, all of us. Vsauce so again. it's a massive category with millions of channels and all the science channels and the cool channels. Win. That's
1: the hard thing. is especially now that the streamies and all those other like online digital award kind of things, like I I didn't know how the streamies would go because I had paid attention to them in the past. But of course, I had to watch when I was nominated and I watched (laughs) the whole show and I was waiting for commentary to come up and I swear they didn't even verbalize it. I think they just put it on screen and just said commentary winner is ContraPoints, Natalie Wynn. She's one of my favorite YouTubers anyway, so I was like, she deserves it. But um, I was waiting and I was thinking that, like, you know, they might say our names and announce the uh, nominees, but they have so many categories and so many genres. That like a lot of them are just like, boop, 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 there you go. And it's like, oh that was a bit of a shame because I was like, it's already twenty twenty, there's no in person awards. Like at least if it had been a regular year, I could have gone and like been there in person. They would have rolled um, out
2: the red carpet for you and (laughs) i could tell you could have at least
0: said your name though is what you're getting that's what i (laughs) just say my name i told my
1: grandma to watch it she was watching it she's like did it just end and i was like yeah it did but i was like hey again it's very cool to be nominated i was nominated along with literally a lot of my favorite commentary channels i loved every other nominee and i was like how the hell did i get in this group but okay thank you uh,
2: chad we know a celebrity now we do it it is true. Streamy Award nominated. Nominated. That is pretty yeah. pretty cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's coming up next for you?
1: I'm currently writing a video about every time I mention it, I'm like it's about teeth and dental care, and everyone's like what? But then I get into it, and I'm like it's all a lot. Um, I kind of mentioned it briefly in one of my last videos about wealth and class in like lifestyle content, and one thing I briefly mentioned was like how we judge people. And their class based on their teeth and if you have bad teeth um probably because you can't afford to go to the dentist people see you and make assumptions like oh you must be you must be unhealthy or you're gross or you're a drug user and it's like you know um a lot of unfair assumptions and then then i just spiraled and i was like i need to research like (laughs) first of all why do we treat dental care like a luxury because it's separate from the rest of our healthcare, even though it very much has an impact yeah. on the rest of your body. You could die from an infection. It's teeth. literally
0: one of the most important things of your, yeah. Your and teeth you can't can, grow
1: your teeth back.
0: <laughs> it's literally a barometer of your, your entire health of your body, my dentist says.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have this, I've been trying to read a whole book. It's called Teeth uh, to research for the video. <laughs> I'm and I'm realizing that that's, teeth. that's, I know, I'm like... <laughs> what to say about me um yeah so i i'm trying to read this book as research and i'm realizing oh this takes a lot longer than like my typical research which is usually like 10 hours and now i'm like i'm going to spend at least like 10 hours just reading this book and then i have wow. to write it and this one's going to have a lot more like facts and figures probably than like most of my videos so now i'm like getting a little stressed about how to fact check myself and make sure I'm not saying anything misleading, but also I think that the whole point is just like it's a it's a discussion about like class and healthcare and privileges and how our governments don't do enough to protect the people and how everyone's suffering. Yay! <laughs> it's a real good topic.
2: More uplifting stuff for us.
1: hmm I love it.
2: I know you you like to watch Cody Co. Too. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to mm-hmm. see his latest video about Candy Kin?
1: No, Sp- I haven't seen it family blogger.
2: Oh, Ugh. my God. It's this... Tell me about it. This, so it's this guy and his wife slash girlfriend living in Hollywood and, of course, flexing on everything. Well, mm-hmm. they just had a baby. And they... They vlog the birth of the baby with like techno music in the background, Stop. and then they bring the baby home, and he's on a pile of money. They photograph no. the baby on a pile of money, and it, it's just one of that's these. A things of that it's just... a that's a lot of germs
1: for a baby. It's a lot of germs.
2: I love that exactly your mind goes there. Exactly. I was just there. thinking. <laughs>
1: Ew! I'm like cash money. You didn't have dirty. to do that. It's so
2: dirty. I don't know. I think we'll have to sometime talk to you about the whole family vlogging thing because that's one of those topics mm-hmm. that just. For some reason, I can't wrap my brain around it. I, I will just, never get over it. Yeah. I, I just, just a trip. can't. It is so out there and so weird. And these kids growing up with a camera in their face all the time. It's, it's, just it's
1: fascinating. Weird. It's also um, an interesting subcategory in that is like the teen. Uh, mom and teen parent channels because for a long time obviously with like 16 and pregnant those sorts of shows that was kind of in the culture like oh we're fascinated by you know what's it like to be a parent as a teenager so a lot of um a lot of teenagers would make videos like hey i found out i'm pregnant i'm 15 and their channels would blow up and then they'd they'd say like you know a day in my life as a 17 year old mom and like trying to go to school and raise my baby and like it's it's fascinating because then it's like Well, you've got someone who, again, on their own is already so young and now they're experiencing this YouTube fame and trying to navigate being a young parent and probably a lot of the hate and judgment that comes along with that. And then it's like, I I just so, yeah, I I try to give um, maybe some of the younger family vlogger parents a bit of credit because they're so young themselves. But there are some, like, fully grown adults. They should have fully formed brains and and have better judgment than (laughs) uh, than, than putting your newborn on a pile of cash to flex on your viewers. That's Uh, interesting.
2: (laughs) Do you have a a strategy for keeping yourself relevant in the coming years?
1: (sighs) My face. I'm like, don't make me (laughs) think about that. Um, No, actually, if anything, I want to figure out a way to separate my brand or my business or whatever from myself and my face i don't know if that's possible but i want to like work on my skills as either some sort of a filmmaker or some sort of a writer so that less of the emphasis is on me and my personality um because like i don't i personally don't want to be relevant as a person but obviously i need my content to be relevant enough to be um enjoyed (laughs) and shared so it's a very um it's a tough conflict. Cause like, again, I, I'm in my extremely offline mode. I don't want anyone to know anything about me sometimes. <laughs> and that just doesn't really fly as a YouTuber because like, like I'll think like, I'm like, I can't remember the last time I posted even one Instagram story and like the standard is you're supposed to be posting all day, keep people updated so that they're interested and they want to
2: feel like I'm missing out on keep up with you. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm like, mm, I'm not willing, I'm not willing to do that. And I also don't want people to be, so invested in me personally because then it's just the parasocial relationship and Mm. that just gets really uh messy but i'm like hey if you're invested in me as a creator because i make content that you like to keep up with that's like the best thing i can aim for so i guess my strategy in doing that is like hopefully i continue to elevate my research or if i can just continue to make thoughtful content that is relevant enough for a Largest amount of people to want to see
2: it's, it. It's quality content you're doing. You Thoughtful, att- meaningful content. Yeah, a lot amount of research you put into it clearly shows, and I, I'm I can tell that you're very aware of making sure that you've got it right, that you're not, you know, getting some fact
1: wrong. Or no, something. I'm trying. That's, that's important. I was yeah. just talking to to some friends about how um, like early in my YouTube. Like, especially when I was a teenager, of course, I was like kind of in a sarcastic mode as you are when you're 16. Um, But I used to be very like anti-script, anti-preparation. I wanted to like film everything on the fly. Um, And I would just turn on my camera and just like rant. And that was it. And now it's like the complete opposite where like I like to mull over my ideas for like months. And then I'm like very meticulous about the writing. And then even in editing, I try to clarify things. Um, And so it's just funny because like I'm just doing the exact opposite of what I used to think I'd be doing. But obviously, like, luckily, I, I moved with the times and I moved with like myself maturing as a person where I used to think like, I used to think just like being outspoken and just saying what's in your head is the coolest thing you could do, which like sometimes, but also thinking before you speak. and (laughs) (laughs) It can get you in trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's also good to like, not just blurt out everything you think of or like, you know that Bo Burnham inside? I feel like that's what all creators are talking about. Yeah.
2: Did you Did you enjoy that?
1: I loved it. The I line about um, the line about like, can't you just shut the fuck up and like not talk about everything or like not respond right. to everything? Yep. I'm like, that's what I need more of. I need to speak less, and when I do contribute something, hopefully it's a well thought out opinion or statement. You know? Because yeah, I used to be very like, everything I say is gold. I am very smart. I'm 16. It's like. Mm. God,
2: I loved that special. It Everything was so all good. of the time. What was it, what's the line? Everything all of the time is the internet, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just constant, constant. The whole internet. special,
1: I was like, this is the YouTube experience. it's a very visceral watch.
2: I love the reaction video to the reaction video. That yep, yeah, yeah. Out. It's so YouTube. It's like, so cool to us. see.
1: <laughs> oh, there's a
2: guy. So there's a good example of somebody who graduated from YouTube. He really mm-hmm.
1: did. But I, I do did love he? that he... He always still does kind of include those like internet call outs. I don't think he's the sort who would be like, oh, my humble roots on YouTube. I feel like he still respects the platform and still respects the potential. And I'm sure he's still to an extent like a YouTube viewer. So I like that because a lot of people, when they make it big after YouTube are like, oh, how embarrassing, I was a YouTuber. It's like, come on, Uh, those those were your roots.
0: I think now it's kind of changed. I think people start treating it like uh, stand up comedians always, like, uh, I'm still a stand up comedian first. I think now we're going to yeah. start seeing a pedigree of people being like, uh, I was a YouTuber first. Or at least I'll always come back to, you know, uh, I remember Michelle Phan saying that, that yeah. she was massive. And then now she's a massive business person and da da da. And then she came back to the platform and she's like, I just, I just, I missed it. It felt like home and I wanted to come back home. And I came back and I just did something completely different and it felt good and da da da. But that's why I wanted to come back from YouTube. Uh, come back to YouTube. And I was like, yeah, go YouTube. I think think we are going to start changing the, the, not the stigma, but like the the narrative associated.
1: I think it's like, well, you probably want to own maybe like content creator a little bit more than YouTuber. It sounds a little more (laughs) maybe refined in some way. True, Uh, But um, yeah, I feel like it's like similar to anyone who's ever been or identified as like a filmmaker or or a musician or an artist. I feel like all of these creative fields like it's really such a central part of you like i think about me even if i move beyond youtube or social media someday i feel like i will always feel like a content creator and i feel like i'm always gonna have that drive to want to make things and um say things and have people (laughs) absorb what i'm saying in some form but it's like yeah it's hard it's it's crazy how that um I don't know, sometimes, yeah, it feels like you can be like, oh, I was a YouTuber, but it's like, no, it's in my soul. I think it's like, I I can't remove that. And that's it, you you
0: never get away from stand-up comedy. So even if you're on top of the world and a huge movie star, you'll still be like Eddie Murphy, still a stand-up comedian at heart And to this day. So I think it's kind of the same way. I feel like a YouTuber at heart. Steve, do you feel like a YouTuber at heart?
2: I do, sort of, but it's kind (laughs) of also the the sort of (laughs) thing that... I, it's the sort of thing that i think the important thing is to recognize that youtube is part of my business yeah. right you know and i think that if um uh, if your whole thing is just your personality on youtube and that's your thing and your only income source is AdSense AdSense. and sponsored deals yeah you may be into trouble someday true you know, i know i'm like ah
1: oh, remind me I have to move beyond this in some way. <laughs> Need a product. Yeah. I don't want a product. I'm anti product.
2: You still doing the podcast?
1: Um, I haven't done it in a while. I always fall off in the summer because like I spend a lot of time upstate, so that's an issue. But um yeah, I actually just bought these new mics. This is the fancy Ooh. Sure mics.
2: The Blue Mm. Yeti?
1: I think this is the SM7B.
2: Oh, I couldn't see it all from... I
1: used to... Oh, that's my Yeti back there. Oh, okay. Ah. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I'm trying to get back into the podcast. And I also remembered, because I want to do a lot more like interviews and stuff with my creator friends and peers. You can
2: interview us.
1: You're on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Right back at you. But yeah, I remembered that with things opening up more... I can hit up you know all my friends in New York. And I was like, oh my God, this has been like not an option for so long that I forget that you can speak to people in person. So I bought I bought a second mic. So I'm like, I've I can do my uh, in person podcast. But yeah, I'm a flop. I I'm not good at being consistent with the podcast.
2: Well, you mentioned that in the in your video on not being relevant anymore. That a lot of people, the trend is to. Start a second channel, a vlog Mm -hmm. channel, a smaller channel, and put put a lot of time in that. Or start a podcast. And Chad, here we are starting a podcast. Almost (laughs) a year now we've had this podcast. So we're
0: almost fifty episodes. Happy
1: anniversary!
0: Thank you very much. Um, so I guess we're going to need a third episode to unpack yeah. all of this stuff that we didn't manage to pack into this episode.
1: We're just unpacking. It's like when you move right. and then a year later, you've still got boxes all over the place. That's us. Yeah, really.
2: Well, Tiffany, we always enjoy having you on the show and I definitely hope we can have you on again real soon. I think this is part of the podcast I like is the second time and hopefully more times we've had other people like this and it's, you can really deep dive into things a little bit more. and now we have all those introductions out of the way.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure.
2: Yeah, and I wish you all of the best and everything coming up in all of your new videos. I'm going to be looking forward to the dental care video. <laughs> It'll send you into a the, crisis. They're...
1: It'll make you sign up to get a new cleaning ASAP if you haven't. i any. sure.
2: <laughs> Anytime somebody talks about teeth, I'm always just, now I'm really conscious like, about uh-huh. teeth. I don't... Exactly. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, and I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Chad and Steve have a podcast. If you would like to support the show, please support us. We need the support. You can share this with uh, a friend, you know, send them a link to the Spotify and then they can listen to it. That would really help out a lot. Thanks for listening, everybody.